0: I think your kids your kids, teach you humility, because a lot of times you will be the brunt of stories or jokes or something that, that you have done that makes you understand that your kids now know that you're human. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Have you been thinking about cutting back on alcohol? but still aren't sure if non-alcoholic beer is for you? It's time to give dry a try this month with Athletic Brewing, the most awarded non-alcoholic craft beer maker in the world. We all know there is nothing worse than waking up with a hangover and not being 100% present for your kids. But just imagine you can enjoy great tasting craft brews all night long and still be ready for whatever life throws at you tomorrow. Athletic produces a wide selection of great tasting near beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Darks, Light Brews, and more. Plus, their brews are fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere. If you're planning to give Dry a try this January, you owe it to yourself to buy Athletic. Right now, new Athletic customers can receive 20% off their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code ART20 at checkout by March 21st, 2023. What's going on, everyone? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast, and I'm very honored to have this guy on. Not only a great coach, but a great dad, great grandfather, and we're talking about a whole bunch of great things, including his new book. It's none other than Tom Coughlin. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing?
0: Thank you, Art. Good to be with you.
1: Looking forward to chat with you about your book, A Giant Win, looking to the Giants' historic upset over the Patriots, Super Bowl 42. We'll get that in a second. We'll talk about your great foundation as well, but Love bringing great guys like yourself to talk about their fatherhood journey. I know you're a grandfather, but can you take me back when you found out you were going to be a dad for the first time? What was going through your mind, sir?
0: <laughs> My wife informed me that we were, we were going to start a family. That was the first thing. I, I remember when, when, I, when I did learn, I think what really comes into your mind is responsibility. You know, it's almost like the first time that you, you and your wife come out of the hospital with your first baby and you get in the car and you look at each other like oh my god you know what what, what have we done what what are we what does this really mean what are we going to do you know what are we going to do cuz i mean you do get through it but every every seems to be every time is a is a new circumstance and i know when i was i'm the oldest of seven so i watched a lot of this with in my own family as as the young ones came along behind me But uh, for the first time, when that happens, when you're going home with a new child and you have all the stories about being up all night and, you know, the feedings and our first Kelly was colicky. So that was, I would go to work sometimes and come home and my wife would still be in the same, you know, bathrobe or whatever that she started the day out with when I left. So it certainly is an exciting uh, occurrence or an exciting time when you do learn it, but you have you know, just so much time to get ready for that, too.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You know, speaking of responsibility, uh, your uh, college teammate, Larry Zonko, when I talked to him, he was saying, like, you know, he had a child when he was in college, and he was just like, yep, things things turn around, you have a different perspective. And your coach would say, like, maybe we should have all the guys hang out with their, wife, like, yeah. you know, girlfriends and wives, right?
0: <laughs> well, first, the, the point that Larry makes in his book is that, they, you know, the coaching staff would kind of frown on guys being married. Yeah. Then Larry got married, I got married, Steve Zagalia got married, there was probably Tony Karsich got married, there was four or five guys that got married. And, you know, the fact that then things became a little bit more serious for us, you know, more responsible, more, you know, obviously more uh, more to do with, with your family, et cetera, et cetera. And and then the coaches saw this and they thought, well, you know what? This is no this isn't all bad. So, uh, but I think Larry was uh, Larry started off with boys and uh, even while he was in college. And I can remember sitting around because we couldn't nobody could afford anything. So we would have popcorn and we would have beer or we would have salt soda. That was the way we entertained ourselves. And uh, and their their uh, uh, Larry and Pam's. Firstborn was they named him Doug. I, I still remember uh, Doug and, and and people passing Doug around, you know, as we all did. Nice.
1: And you know, speaking of responsibility, and of course everybody knows who's a fan of yours and just a fan of football in the NFL knows if you're going to show up to a meeting. You got to show up five minutes uh, before the meeting because that means you're on time. You're, you know, four minutes before the meeting, you're late. So I know that responsibility, respect of, of others is something that you're probably instilling into your kids. But what were some of the other values you were looking to instill into them and now to your grandkids?
0: Well, obviously, good manners, accountability, respect, you know, respect for all. You know, the old thing you put in the locker room, respect all, fear none, uh, that type of thing. Punctuality certainly was something important. Organizational abilities, uh, in terms of you know, take care of your room, you know, make your bed, you know, all the things that we all um, are, are taught to do at a very young age. Um, and then, what my kids, when 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 you have children and you're in coaching, you know, you're 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 really busy a lot of the time. Your wife ends up raising the kids, and what you really learn is that. When the season is over and you come back into the house and you think you've got something to say, you learn quickly by virtue of your wife looking at you like, "Who do you think you are?" You know, I'm the head of the house. You just happen to be here. So I used to say, "I we have four children." I used to say that if we had a dog, I would rank behind the dog, <laughs> four kids, the dog, and me. You know, that was the way it would go. Thank you for sharing that
1: coach. I appreciate it. What is something that your kids or grandkids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you had kids and they brought that out of you, whether it's a life lesson or something about yourself.
0: I think what my kids more than my grandkids at this point, my kids would always want to, you know, engage me in some laughter or, uh, you know a movie we might watch together where we would all laugh together something where uh, they would bring out that 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 form of it but i think one of the things that that you're taught as a parent or as a grandparent is the when you're when your children ask you things there a lot of times they're not very complicated questions but they do allow you to answer them in a way that comes From your experiences and from your heart, so that they give you a chance to express yourself many times in many ways, rather than just blunt, you know, you can't do this, you, you know, you gotta do things this way. You you really, but but they'll create examples for you that you can use. And examples or metaphors or life lessons are much better to teach with than just trying to be lay down an edict, you know, you have to do things this way that and i think humility i think your kids your kids teach you humility because a lot of times you will be the brunt of stories or jokes or something that that you have done that makes you understand that your kids now know that you're human you know <laughs> something you have to do is you you got to convince them because God only knows we screw up a lot as parents and 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 we are human and we do make mistakes, but the important thing for you in teaching your children about it is that you approach it that way, that you don't try to sweep it under a rug, or you don't try to make little of it. You know, it's an important thing. You've screwed up. You know, you tell them about it and you do say it in such a way that try not to do that yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you my life experience so you don't have to on the same issue. I love That's that. It. Um, one more question before we get into your fantastic book. Dad, I mean, a lot of things you're saying, I think, new dads, new parents can use as pieces of advice or a dad hack. But do you have a piece of advice or a dad hack you'd like to share to new dads listening to this?
0: Well, I think for new dads, you have to understand that there have been many that have gone before you and you do get through it. You, you do find a way to get through those first six months or whatever. And then... uh you know, the good Lord takes over a little bit. You know, you, the the Holy Spirit is going to help you in a lot of ways that you need to, to be helped because it's really, really important. And you have to think about it as a parent to make sure that number one, you are the good example that you're trying to teach. You know, you can't, you can't drill them on something and then turn around and be the opposite and expect them to not become cynical. Uh, Because they do, you know they do. Because you smile, you smile when when you and I are talking. But you realize that they enjoy when you screw up. (laughs) They really do. They have a ball when you screw up. Okay, and you got to be able to handle that the right way too.
1: No doubt, wise words from Coach Coffin. I really appreciate that. Uh, Congratulations on your book, A Giant Win Inside. The New York Giants has. Historic upset over the New England Patriots in Super Bowl Forty Two. I remember that game so well. Just to throw it out there, I'm a Niners fan, but I love when an underdog, you know, proves why they're there, right? And right. I was watching it uh, over at a friend's house. He's a Giants fan, and just watching, I, I enjoyed watching the game, but I enjoyed watching my friend just experience yeah. this game as as sure. uh, as a Giant fan. And I think one of the, for me, one of the biggest takeaways from that season and that game is how your rookies stepped up in that time and also just that, that those moments in certain playoff instances and all that. What are you most proud of, of that season and that Super
0: Bowl win? I'm most proud of the fact that nobody gave us a chance to win anything except us. Yeah. And from the inside, from the inside, we believed, okay? Now, it wasn't perfect. I mean, we, we lost our first two games. I had hired a new defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo. We turned around and – gave up 80 points in two games. (laughs) And then we went to Washington and we were on the brink. We had to have a goal line stand from the one yard line to keep the the, then Redskins out of the end zone to, to win that game. And we did. And then we went on to win six games and, you know, we still, our second half of the year wasn't, wasn't by any means, a a really good session. We should have won 12 games. We won 10, but what you learn, what I learned, and what i really was 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 most proud of is that the way that our team stuck together played together fought for each other we were we were called the road warriors we won 11 games on the road that year 11 football games on the road and we were the road warriors and we believed in ourselves and we picked each other up when we were down and we were told we couldn't do something be careful when you tell me i can't do something okay yeah. because that inspiration you know, makes me even more focused on what I want to do. But that's what I'm proudest of is the way, you know, Michael Strahan probably said it best. I've won all the individual awards that I possibly can win. I've been, a, you know, a Pro Bowl selection. I broke the sack record. But the one thing I really wanted has escaped me. And the only re- way I got it was to be become a member, a true member of a team and sacrifice everything for the team and be unselfish. And not let egos get in the way of us succeeding,
1: well said yeah I, I love that and i one of my other friends, Mike, he's a Giants fan, I was living in Jersey at the time, and we went to that game the last se- uh last game of that season in two thousand and seven. I remember watching people tailgate, and there were some patriots fans you know in 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 tailgating, and they had they were wearing beanies that said like perfect season sixteen and oh. And I looked at my buddy Mike, I'm like, they're testing the football guys right there. And you guys gave them a run for their money in the last game. And I said to him, when we we're walking out, I'm like, dude, they have a chance if they, you know, meet up again, they seem like they can handle the Patriots. He's like, yeah, you're probably right, Art. What's the biggest thing you took away from that game in the regular season between, the, you know, you and the Patriots? Yeah, they won, but like barely won, right? Yeah.
0: Well, we led the game in the fourth quarter. Yep. You know, and they, uh, Brady to Moss, you know, just like it happened, Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes that year and 23 to Moss. You know, I mean, that's an amazing stat when you think about it. But here's the greatest offensive machine in the history of football. They beat us 38-35, but we were right there at the end and we knew we could play with them. And that's the thing that we took away from that game. But again, nobody ever gave us a chance to win anything. as we, Even as we moved through... Right through the playoffs, nobody picked us to win in Tampa, nobody in Dallas, nobody in Green Bay. In Green Bay, it was minus 24. You
1: I felt what? bad for you. You look so red. I'm like, I know it was probably – you wouldn't even care because it was, it was playoffs and you wanted to win. But I was just like, man, we got to get him some, like, heat.
0: <laughs> I, said, I said to uh, Michael Strahan the other day, I said, you know, I didn't even feel cold in the second half. And he said, yeah, because you were frozen. How could you possibly <laughs> – I love it.
1: Um, you know, it's just kind of with that, you know, I mentioned Michael Strahan, of course, Eli, so many great people on that team. And and all the you know, all the uh, teams that you've coached, but how is coaching a football team similar to being a dad?
0: Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities. There really are. <laughs> there's uh the caring part, you know. I think it what is important is the development of trust. Trust comes through caring. It's a two-way street. You know, it's not just you to a player or a child. It's it's receiving it the other way. Feeling responsibility for those you love. You know, 53-man plus practice squad uh, group of guys making up your roster. Uh, And it's making decisions, not just talking about doing the right thing, but making decisions along the way which uh, exemplify the fact that all decisions are made for the good of the team, not for the individual, not for me, not for you, not for, for the good of the team. It's just like a family, okay? Look at We're all in this together. Let's, let's, let's make sure everybody understands. We, we, we all love each other. We're all in it together. But we are going to do what's right all the time, 100% of the time, and it's going to be what's in the best interest of our family or our team. And the individuals are going to have to suck it up and go along with it. And we don't need any egos. You know, (laughs) life is hard enough. And I used to tell them, gentlemen, remember, the enemy's outside this building. The enemy's not in here. We're not fighting one another in here, okay? And as soon as you understand that and understand what I'm really talking about, now you'll know what we have to do to put it all together. Because it's hard. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's hard. It's 16 weeks. Stop and think about getting hit by somebody, 100 miles an hour, full speed, for 60 minutes, 16 times before you even get in the playoffs. That's the the faint of heart need not apply. Okay, yeah. that's that's what you have to understand about arguing.
1: I think a while back, maybe this was nineties, maybe. I remember listening to uh, a commentator talk about football and like, Hey, for people who want to know what it feels like, like start like 10 feet in front of your garage door and run as fast as you can into that repeatedly for a few times. You'll know how players feel after a game, right?
0: (laughs) That's basically it. Yeah.
1: So crazy. I got uh, two more questions before, before I finish off with the follow quick five, we're going to be talking about your foundation in one quick second, but I want to know again, people listening to this, they know that you have a passion for the game and obviously a passion for being a great dad and a great grandfather. But in the past, when it comes to the passion for football, where did that come from? And throughout your great career, was there ever a moment where you really thought like, should I hang it up? Not because of you're looking to like hang up because of your ego, but like, am I doing the right things? Am I being uh, maybe an impediment for my team at the time or whatever? But with your, where did your passion for football come from? And was there ever like a really hard time you're like we were wondering, like, should I give up? And thank thankfully you didn't, but did you have one of those moments?
0: Well, the passion for the game starts as a youngster. You know, I, I grew up in a little town, small town USA, Waterloo, New York. And I can remember as a kid looking through the fence, because I didn't have a dollar to get in, looking through the fence and watching the varsity football team play and figure, I want to be that guy. I want to be out there someday. I want to. So that's where it started for me. And then I had great coaching in high school, and that's important. I had people in high school uh, basketball and football coach by the name of Bill Carey, and a, uh, excuse me, a basketball and baseball coach by the name of Bill Carey, and a football coach by the name of Mike Ornato. And they, you know, we won a lot, and 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 I understood what it meant to be disciplined and so on and so forth. Uh, and 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 you know, it's not easy; it's never easy. But that was that was the starting point for me. And then Syracuse University. You know, I played with Larry Zock and Floyd Little, all, all kinds of great football players. We were really good in in those days at Syracuse. Ben Schwartzwalder was our head coach. We were a physical operation. You know, we ran the ball. We played great defense. We hit. You know, we were we were we were built that way. Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, and, and so that's that's where the the basis of of my game started and where where it came from and the opportunities that came along along the way. I never played. I never coached for anybody that I knew. It Was always by, by you know my work ethic or or, or my or, or you know putting my 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 coaching job on the line so someone else could evaluate it. But were there ever hard times? There's there's a lot of hard times. There really are. But only once did I ever think about something other than, and that was because I was I was back at my alma mater. I coached for seven years as an assistant at Syracuse, and the head coach Frank Maloney resigned. And, and we were out, you know, the, the job was over for us. So, and, and the, 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 believe me, they don't come rushing in. I had just, I didn't even think anybody knew who I was. Uh, but yet I did have an opportunity, Jack McNeil, to go to Boston College. And from there, things kind of fell in order. I coached Doug Flutie at Boston College, and we won a lot of games and had a lot of fun. So that's how it started for me.
1: Nice. Thank you very much for sharing that. And also, man, like, you know, you, you were talking earlier about, you know, parenting, about talking not only talking to talk but walking the walk right and all the things that you talk about about looking in responsibility and helping out and you know this is a team effort of course you guys you and your team do such a wonderful job at the tom coughlin j fund foundation to raise awareness for pediatric cancer anybody listening to this obviously is caring about parenting and caring about you know kids and all that so talk a little bit about the foundation and also too we're recording this right around the holidays how can people help out your foundation as
0: well well, we all we started because uh, when I was the head coach at Boston College, I had a young man by the name of Jay McGillis who played strong safety for me. A great kid, you know, worked hard, overachiever, did everything you wanted him to do. Went to class, you know, was one of those kind of kids, redheaded kid from Irish kid from from Brockton, Mass. You know, yeah. uh, the home of the of the boxing champions. Uh, Jay contracted leukemia. Uh, it was a ravishing disease. He was gone within eight months. Uh, one of my linebackers came to me in the spring of the year and said, coach, we got to do something to help McGillis family. And I said, what do you mean? Sit down. So Mike Panos was his name. We talked it through. So what we did is we devised what we called a lift-a-thon and our players went out into the community and got pledges for their max lifts in the spring. So it was bench press, uh, squat and power clean. We raised fifty thousand dollars. We gave a check for $50,000 to the McGillis family at halftime in the spring game. That's where the idea came. So when I went, Judy and I, my wife, Judy and I, if we ever got a chance, we were going to give back in the name and the spirit of Jay McGillis. Um, We just didn't know how we were going to raise the money, but we knew what we were going to do. We were going to help families who had a child with cancer. So when I went, uh, when I became the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars in 1994, uh, we began the J Fund in 1996. And, you know, 28, some 28 years later, we have helped over well over 5,000 families, well over $17 million uh, to assist families who have a child with cancer. And how we do that is in all the practical ways. You know, I believe in research, I believe in all that, but what, what I saw and what I wanted to do was help a family who is devastated By the fact that the child has cancer, maybe one parent can't work, you know, so we're going to pay, we're going to keep you in your home, we're going to pay your mortgage, we're going to pay your rent, we're going to make food payments, we're going to make gasoline payments, we're going to fix your automobile, we're going to get you back and forth to the hospital, we're going to pay for funeral expenses, we're going to do all the things that you need to do to be able to go to your child in the hospital and make sure that child knows that all of your attention is focused on helping them get better. And that's what we've done. And we will continue to do that way. We have two, we have a a branch in New York, New Jersey, and we have a branch here in Jacksonville, Florida. And, you know, we're the, we're the J fund foundation. You know, you can find us Tom Coughlin at the tcjfund.org. You can find all kinds of information. Just Google us, the J fund foundation.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a quick Google. Of course we'll put up links. Over at tcjfund.org here at Art of Fatherhood as well. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now we're going to finish off with the Fatherhood Quick Five. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one, or maybe with the grandkids? What do you guys? What do you watch with the grandkids?
0: <laughs> Christmas Vacation. You know that kind of that kind of that's what they love. They love to laugh and they they love to have a good time. So right. it's usually along those lines.
1: Love it. Favorite band or was a band or artist you couldn't wait to like music band or artist that you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to like, Hey, check out this someone's song or anything along it, or check out this band.
0: Imagine dragons because they also, they also have uh, a great purpose to help families who have a child with cancer because they had a young fan who they got to know really well who passed away from cancer. Okay. That,
1: uh, great answer right there, sir. Describe the perfect family vacation, where would it be?
0: Anytime you're all together, it doesn't matter where it is. We were doing, my wife started us on this a long, long time ago. And every year we would have a a family vacation. Everyone would know to keep a, a week after the 4th of July, nobody can go anywhere, everybody has to attend. We're all there together. So no matter where it was, okay, and we've been to a lot of great places, and had a lot of wonderful times uh I, I just named montana for one where where you you're, you're in the great outdoors and you're, the activities are just endless you know and we we just had so much fun being together and sharing that awesome um best
1: thing about being a grandfather over a dad is
0: <laughs> the grandfathers grandmothers grandfathers are looked at a little bit differently and the way my grandkids say it the best is if you asked if you ask Pop-Pop, the word is no. If you ask Grandma, you're going to get it every time. That's, that's the way that, that our grandkids look at, the, at their grandparents. Love it.
1: And lastly, top three words you hope your, your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be?
0: I would want them to know that I love them. Love you are the three words I'd jump up with just like that. Awesome. I would Great. share with them, and hopefully they would come back to me with
1: Awesome. Great three words right there. People, make sure you pick up Coach Coughlin's book that he wrote with Greg Hanlon. It's called The Giant Win Inside the New York Giants, Historic Upset Over the New England Patriots, Super Bowl 42. It's a great read. And also, go to tcjfund.org to help support the Tom Coughlin J. Fund Foundation. Like you heard Coach say, it goes through so many great causes. Again, I know you're very busy with the time, especially with the holidays. Just want to say it's been an honor chatting with you, talking a little bit about fatherhood and, of course, uh, football and your foundation. I wish you and your family continued success, sir.
0: Thank you, Art. Thank you. Have me on. And good luck with you. I love what you're doing. Thank
1: you, sir. I want to thank you for checking out this week's episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. And I also want to say a big thank you to this week's sponsor, Athletic Brewing Company. Whether you're looking to cut alcohol for life or just a night, you shouldn't have to sacrifice your ability to be healthy, active, and at your best to enjoy a great beer. Go to athleticbrewing.com and check out all their great beers. And while you're online, go to artofatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, Collector of the Week and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artofatherhood.net and please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because that'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.